0: It's our job
1: to tell better stories, and always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying and buying. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Growth Hub Podcast, brought to you by AdvancedB2B.com. This is your host, Edward Ford, and today we're joined by Luke Summerfield of HubSpot founder and godfather of the growth-driven design movement. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the one thing that is at the focal point of all SaaS businesses, and that's the website. More specifically, Luke will be talking to us about growth-driven design, or GDD, which is a smarter and more agile way to approach web design and development as we open up the topic and look at how SaaS companies can benefit from this methodology. Luke's background is in the agency world where he spent several years working with customers on their marketing development, which is where he first began to realize that the traditional approach to web design is broken. To fix it, he started building a new agile method that saw the launch of your website as the beginning of the process, not the end. That new method is now called growth-driven design, and Luke has spent the last couple of years at HubSpot one of the leading full-stack SaaS platforms for sales, marketing, and growth to power the GDD movement and transform the way the web design industry builds and optimizes websites. In this episode, we'll hear about the similarities between Sir Edmund Hillary's Everest expedition and the website redesign process, how the GDD movement was born, what the GDD model is, the importance of GDD for SaaS businesses, how SaaS companies can get started with the Agile GDD model, as well as where you can go to learn more about GDD. Stay tuned for the end of the episode where Luke shares his top five tools that help him build high growth websites, as well as his best piece of advice for SaaS growth leaders. So here is episode two of the Growth Hub podcast with Luke Summerfield, Founder of Growth-Driven Design at HubSpot. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. Today we're super excited to be joined here at the Growth Hub headquarters in Helsinki by Luke Summerfield, founder of Growth-Driven Design at HubSpot. So welcome to the show, Luke. How are you enjoying Finland? Uh, So far, so good. I've been busy,
0: busy, busy meeting with uh, amazing folks, so I haven't had a ton of time to see the city. But the weekend's coming up, yeah. so I'm going to explore.
1: And you're going to be trying out a finished sauna. We're going to try afternoon. a
0: finished sauna and jumping into the cold uh, the cold rivers and lakes here
1: after. So yeah. it'll be great. Great stuff. And this episode is all about the one thing that is at the heart of every sauce business, and that is the website. Um, and to kick things off, there's a nice story I've heard you tell before. So could you actually tell us about the, the adventurer, Sir Edmund Hillary, and the similarities between his planned... Everest expedition and typical and traditional website redesign projects. Sure. There
0: so there's this gentleman that maybe some of you have heard of, maybe some of you have not, Sir Edmund Hillary. And he's very, very exciting man. He he's one of the first people to successfully reach the peak of Everest and make that journey. Um, but of course, as you could imagine, that he wasn't the first that tried it. There's many people that tried it and failed along the way. And so There's a lot of risk for him to do it. He's putting his life on the line. And when he was planning out the journey, um, he had to assemble a team. And he assembled a team of experts, over 400 people made up his team. He had to go go to the government to request budget. Very, very expensive uh, journey. They had a lot of resources. They carried 10,000 pounds of resources with them up, you know, imagine carrying 10,000 pounds up the side of (laughs) Mount Everest. And... It took him about three months of, of three months of planning, all the different steps, all those different things, different camps, avoiding the obstacles, plan everything out along the way. And, uh, and they started out pretty good. They got to their first camp, settled in, unpacked, got pretty comfortable, uh, got to their second camp, talking about the day, planning out the next camp. But uh, in his journey, and when Izzy was going up the mountain, something happened uh, there was a storm that came in and the storm came in and and literally stopped them in their tracks. They're midway up the mountain, snow is coming down. And this was the point where all the other people that made this expedition in the past had perished. And so he was in a predicament. He had to figure out what do I do to be able to save my team, save our lives in this kind of hectic environment that we weren't expecting or that we, we had not planned on at this point. And, uh, We'll pause it there, I already kind of gave it away. He did make it to the top, but we'll talk about what he did to adjust to do that. And really what that story illustrates is what we as marketers and what we as businesses go through every single time we build a website. Go through a very similar story uh, on the different steps. We have to assemble a team, we have to request budgets, we plan every single thing out And then inevitably, some kind of quote-unquote storm happens along the way, and when you ask marketers, when you talk to marketers or business owners, how did their previous website redesigns go, it's always such a nightmare. Uh, There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, and um, I've seen that time and time again. I've experienced it myself time and time again, but uh, that's the world that we're living in with the traditional website design process.
1: Yeah, and you've mentioned that the old way of doing things and the traditional website redesign process is, is broken. Um, but you've been developing a solution which is something called growth-driven design or GDD. Uh, so could you tell us a bit more about what that actually is, how it works, and what are the benefits compared to this traditional approach? The maybe
0: and I, maybe and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but let me start with telling a story of where the idea came from, actually. Yeah. And I think that will help set us up for what it is. So previous to HubSpot, I worked in the agency world and I worked with a lot of clients. I also have worked internally at companies previous to HubSpot. And we were working at the agency building websites for for clients and we worked with SaaS clients as well and we also worked with um, nonprofits and a few other verticals. Every single website we did inevitably always goes out of scope. It's funny, I'll ask marketers like, hey, did the previous website launch on time? And they just start laughing. They're like, no way did it launch on time. Did it stay within budget? Did it stay within scope? No way. It, it you know balloons out into this big thing. So from an agency, we are struggling uh, keeping that down with our clients. It also was very hard for us to provide value uh, quickly. So when we think about our SaaS products, when someone signs up for our SaaS product, we want to show them value in our product as quick as possible. We want that activation moment. So they say, holy cow, I need to upgrade to the paid or I need to... Uh, you know, uh, actually start using this product. When you think about it in the context of a website, our clients were paying us 20, 30, $40,000 or $50,000, whatever the cost was, and they weren't really seeing anything for the next six or eight months. So that's a very long time to value where we're sitting in our little backroom office building this thing, uh, and then once it finally launches eight months later, finally we start to see some results based off of that. So very long time to value. Also, very hard for our clients, uh, and I'm sure many of you have listening to this have experienced where you have other things on your plate, but when you go through a website redesign, you have to shift your priorities, and that inevitably means some of those other things on your plate take a back seat. Uh, so very hard to balance that, and a lot of times other things suffer. And so that we, we saw it time and time again at the agency, and... We really said, man, there's gotta be a better way. Like, why are we still struggling with this time and time again? Um, but that's really the way we've always been building websites. We've always thought about that the last 25 years. The world has been building websites. We've just come to accept that that's kind of what happens. Those are some of the things that happens anytime you embark on a website redesign journey. Um, and the the last thing that we saw was that we would launch these sites. You know, of course, the client wanted it, and we wanted it to be perfect because we knew if we didn't get it perfect right out of the gate, we yeah. probably weren't gonna come back for the next year and a half to two years. The, the websites, generally speaking, once it's done, people are so happy, they throw their hands up in the air, and it, it rarely do they come back and make impactful improvements on the site. Um, so that was one of the challenges as well, is that we'd launch these sites, and we didn't end up really touching them, except for little things here and there. Uh, and then lastly, as we go through this website design process, we're operating within our own bubble. And of course, we're doing our best to uh, audit the existing site. You know, We still do user interviews. We, we talk to users, try to figure out what is the best. We would do some user testing. But at the end of the day, the thing that we came up with was still a, uh, an assumption. Uh, it was still a educated guess on what we think would perform well. So the challenge is, is we make these assumptions, we launch it, and then we don't touch it or ever go back and validate those assumptions. And inevitably some of those are gonna be wrong. you know. And that's just part of the game. I'm sure many of you listening uh, make assumptions in your business and end up having to go back and improve. But in the web world, we never really do that. We kind of build it, let it sit, and cross our fingers and hope that it worked. All of that goes back to the challenges we saw with traditional. And the reason that we run into all of those challenges is not a lack of talent. We have very talented people that are working on these, these problems. Uh, it's usually not a lack of resources. I, I had worked on projects where they, they literally told me, you have unlimited resources, just do it right. And we still ran into all those problems. We still launched late. Uh, we still uh, um, launched it and didn't touch it after. It's because we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure in the beginning by using a broken playbook. And that broken playbook is the traditional web design model. And so the question of what is growth-driven design, it's really this new playbook. This playbook that that solves all of those headaches, all of those risks that that, that I mentioned, uh, and also produces a high-performing site through learning about our users, taking those learnings, running experiments, um, and every single month continuously improving based off of our business's goals. And, so that's, that's kind of like the backstory on how all of this came to be. Yep. And it really was originally us trying to create a system to solve for our own clients, but it wasn't just our problem. It's an industry-wide problem. And so since uh, the agency, now that I work at HubSpot, I've been very fortunate to um, formalize this a bit more into the process, teach agencies how to do this. Um, and uh, it's been been growing really, really rapidly because it's solving a very key point of pain we're all struggling with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that now you're working at HubSpot, and you actually founded the growth-driven design team there, uh, which is basically an internal startup that focuses on transforming the way the web design industry actually builds and optimizes websites. So could you tell us a bit more about that and what you're actually doing with your team on a day-to-day basis? The the biggest focus for us
0: right now is to um, you know, basically open people's eyes up that the way we're currently going about it is broken, and then there's a new playbook. And so we do a lot of education. You could, I guess in the the SaaS world, you can think of user acquisition. We're trying to acquire people to this new methodology and get them to um, understand that there's a better way to do it. And then the second thing we do is we, once they are excited about it, getting them to start implementing it and seeing value in it. So again, that's kind of like that, you could think of that as acquisition or uh, activation. Like they're activating this new methodology, they're seeing value in it. And excited about it so that comes in the form of a lot of education comes in the form of a lot of uh, consulting you know I'm here today working with a team and, yeah. and excited to, to work with the team on it and um, those are the the, the main focuses uh, of what we try to do at least right now and we're primarily working with agencies at this point uh, mainly because agencies are working with a lot of their clients so for us, we have much more leverage in getting the word out because if we get one agency educated up to speed, they can then go help a ton of different people versus if we go directly to companies to educate them, it's like one-on-one, so it's not as quite as, as scalable. Yep. So that's the behind the scenes why we're focusing on agencies at this point is, is helping yep. agencies do it with their clients.
1: Yeah, and if we um, think about one question, which is actually a really important question that all companies need to ask themselves, and that is how important is our website? To our business uh, there are some companies that could survive they could keep delivering their product and service even if their website were to be switched off right now but for the SaaS world and SaaS businesses uh, it's totally different since the website is everything it, it's where you generate new new leads it's where you nurture people down your funnel it's where you convert customers uh, and it's also where you deliver your product provide support uh, so talk to us about the importance of growth driven design within the context of saas businesses specifically and some of the challenges that they might have i the you hit the nail on the head the website plays such an
0: intricate part into when you look at you know like the 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 pirate metrics all of those different pieces the website has a a role in facilitating each one of those and typically we think of it a lot of in the context of acquisition so how can we use the website as this single gateway to get people in and convert them into some kind of trial, into some, some basically get them into the product. And it plays a really huge part there. Um, but I think equally it plays, and we use this at HubSpot a lot, our website plays a very key role in other aspects such as uh, the retention side of things. So we use the website to help offset a lot of the support, uh, support calls. So we, we do all of our documentation, um, we try to, provide very in-depth support documents in order to reduce the number of support calls on the back end, keep customers happier, and obviously keep them around. We also use it very much for recruiting and for HR. For us as a growing company, we're trying to find the best talent. And that's a very key um, point that helps drive our business. So the website can be leveraged for, for talent, uh, talent acquisition as well. So I guess I just mentioned that that a lot of times we're laser focused on net new users. We need new users coming in or starting trials. And as important as that is, there's other parts where the website can help the business grow from a retention from a you know a support cost standpoint, from a, 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 a talent acquisition standpoint. And when we look at the growth driven design model, that is a model um, that allows us to have that flexibility. And we can kind of talk about what what does the actual model look like? What are the the steps of the process look like? But uh, that's a model that gives us that flexibility to start improving for user acquisition via the website. Then when we get to a certain point, we can focus on doing continuous improvement around the retention efforts, um, using the website as a lever, move on to HR, whatever the, the top priority is for the business at that given time. Um, but when you look at traditional web design where you're launching the site and it ends up sitting, um, you don't have that flexibility to, to use, use the website to help impact those other parts of the business unless you're continuously improving.
1: Yeah, and how can a SaaS company actually get started with GDD and smoothly integrate it into their processes and operations and perhaps move more from a waterfall model into this agile model.
0: Sure, maybe I'll start with explaining um, the steps in the methodology so you can kind yeah. of, listeners can kind of get an idea of yeah. the process you go through and then we can talk about how you implement it. Yeah. So generally speaking, um, you're gonna start off with the strategy step and the goal of the strategy step um, For those of you listening, this is probably gonna sound fairly similar to how you develop software. Um, We've learned a lot of these principles in the software world, and yet we're not being uh, smart about applying these same principles to how we do our marketing and how we do our website. So you're gonna start off with the strategy step, and the goal of the strategy step is to gain an empathetic view of your user's world, what what challenges they're running into, uh, what is their journey, and then we're going to find ways that we can weave the website in as a part of that experience to solve and provide, solve problems and provide value along that journey. Um, at the end of that, where it gets a little different than traditional, of course, you do that a lot of that in traditional, a lot of user research, uh, user experience research, um, uh, a lot of prototyping, all that. Where it gets a little different is coming out of the strategy, you create a wish list. And the wish list is seventy-five to two hundred of the most impactful ideas you can come up with. And those impactful ideas, the impact is in relations to the value you're driving for the user, but also uh, the the business being able to capture a part of that value in the terms of lead generations or trial startups or anything like that. So all these amazing ideas. From there, you can move on to the second step, which is what we call the Launchpad website, and this is. We call it a Launchpad website because in traditional design, when you launch a site, that's the, that's the end of the process. You're Like, okay, cool, we got that done, let's move on to all these things we've been neglecting uh, during this six or eight months. With the Launchpad website, this is a starting point. This is the starting point of where you launch all your continuous improvement efforts off. So it's a website that looks better than what you have today, performs better than what you have today, but is not perfect. And that's the difference is in traditional design, we think it needs to be perfect for the launch because if we don't have it perfect, we're never gonna touch it again. But we know that there's no such thing as perfect. We wanna build something again, looks better, performs better, but is a starting point to move then into the continuous improvement part. So that step one and step two, we want to get done as quick as possible. And, and just like we think about uh, in the software side, we want to build a, a software that we can get into the hands of the users to collect real user data and use that data to make more informed decisions on how to make improvements in your software. We want to do the same thing with our website. Build, go through the strategy, build, a, build that Launchpad website, get it out into users' hands and start collecting real user data to again, make those informed decisions when we move to the continuous improvement process. And the continuous improvement process uh, leans into, uh, it's built off of an agile methodology. So you're going through kind of the the agile process uh, as you're running sprints and and running your cycles. And we also lean into uh, lean methodology where we are running experiments and setting up experiments, learning about our users and taking those user learnings into the next cycle so we can build more impactful things the next time through that's the methodology um, for those of you who are, are running similar things on your product again it's just extending that out into also applying that to your website and to your marketing in in general now how do you get started with that well you know some uh, some companies they're able to invest in building internal growth teams a lot of times those internal growth teams are very focused on um, one piece of that so they're typically focused on just building a growth team for their product um, how do you then extend that into building uh, kind of essentially a growth team for your website and your acquisition? Well, that's again where a lot of these agencies can come into play and essentially work as an outsourced growth team uh, to focus on some of those other levers where you can have your internal teams focused on you know product adoption, product usage, and, um, and upsells or cross sells if you have a freemium model. Um, So that's how I kind of think of it. Uh, And again, eventually at some point, that may make sense to build out a growth team that's specifically focused on the website. You have to be at a a much larger scale to be able to to focus on that. Even at HubSpot, we have a team, a growth team that splits their time. Some of their time is focused on doing growth-driven design on our website, but they also split their time with other things. So having someone that can be laser-focused on how do we build the website to help with all of those things we talked about earlier, uh, not only the acquisition, but the support tickets and the... um, the acquisition, all that, really, really key.
1: Yeah, and if, if we think about a SaaS company that might have limited resources when it comes to marketing, growth, uh, and website development, what advice would you give to those companies who, who need to be quite quite savvy with their resources? The biggest thing is focus, and that's the hardest
0: thing for all of us to do. Uh, you know, there's the saying that you're gonna, you're gonna die by drowning, not from starvation. And I think that that's uh, very, very true for most businesses and most individuals in general. I, my mantra this year is to simplify, do less, better. So when you have limited resources, that becomes even more important because you need to identify where are we going to focus uh, at this given time. Now, you can always, a lot of times, especially with a, product, a product-driven uh, startup, you're very, very focused on the product itself. Uh, and that causes some challenges where when you're thinking about acquisition uh, when you're thinking about where the website and inbound marketing and other marketing channels play a part of it a lot of times those kind of suffer because you're laser focused on just the product and that's not a bad thing but it's going to really slow you down so again that's where you can leverage agencies that can help Um, Instead of having to hire all these people to do this, leverage an agency to help you with that so that you can stay laser-focused on what you're best at building the product, building phenomenal product, getting product usage, uh, so that the agency can focus on getting people into that product and actually using it in the first place.
1: Yeah, so it's also very much about switching the way you view website development from a more traditional project to actually an ongoing process that is never-ending. uh, but you, yourself, you've worked both client-side and agency-side with SaaS businesses. So what are the typical results that a SaaS company could expect to see when switching to a GDD approach? And in what sort of time frame? It's going to be,
0: uh, I mean, obviously it's very different for every company, and it depends on where you're starting. If you have a, a brand new startup, they're going to have uh, a lot, uh, there's going to be much more of a push on this "Quote unquote flywheel" to get the flywheel going. Uh, for a company like uh, like HubSpot, we have millions of users or millions of visitors coming to our site, so we can make some a change and see impact very very quickly. Um, so it's hard to tie it down to actual numbers. It's going to be dependent on on the individual, but um, I think the the thing that's important to consider is that uh, you're you have a process set in place that gives you that opportunity to go back and improve. So We've seen, um, again, it's gonna depend, I think the, we want instant results and sometimes instant results doesn't happen. There are some learnings that need to happen. They say when you first start out about only 25% of your experiments are actually going to, the hypothesis is correct, they're actually gonna work and that's okay. The key is, is to take the learnings from those experiments that failed and incorporate that back into the cycle so that as you go through this process, your hit rate on successful experiments goes up and up and up and three months, six months down the road, you have a much better understanding of your users, much better understanding of what works and doesn't work, and that hit rate's gonna increase. So I think that's one thing when you talk about time frame to consider is that even at HubSpot, uh, for us, there, there's still a learning curve um, that we have to go through on what and how uh, different experiments we're going, we're going to run. Um, now, the, the, the tip on that is a lot of times we want to try something, oh, it doesn't work. We're gonna completely shift focus to a whole nother channel or a whole nother part of the website. And it's really important to understand that it's gonna take time to really flush out whether LinkedIn is your best channel or or Facebook is your best channel or if investing in, in this part of the website is your best use of your time. So just because something, uh, an experiment fails doesn't mean in our ADD culture, we want to just shift focus right away. It's you no, know, take those learnings and continue to um, focus on that for a period of time. We like to do usually two or three months of very intense focus on one area. And if after three months, then at uh, three months and 50 experiments, we're like, okay, we're still not picking up traction here. Let's start looking at other channels or other areas. Um, of course that takes longer to do, but I think that's what it really takes to understand what are the best places for you to, to invest your time and energy in. All of that was kind of on the, uh, talking about the length. Again, the results is going to just depend on the different companies, um, depending on what stage you're at, depending on how much traffic you get. And, um, depending on, uh, how much effort you're putting into this. Of course, if you're only spending a certain amount of time on your, on your sprints, you only have a 20 uh, 10 hours or 20 hours worth of sprint time every month you're going to move much slower you run way less experiments than if you have a more dedicated team and you have a bigger uh, sprint time of 100 hours or 200 hours where you can be running um, many many more experiments. you're going to move much quicker you're going to learn much quicker and that's the ideal comes back to budget how much how much budget can and how much resources can you put towards this these learning efforts
1: yeah, and I think one of the great things about the GDD model is that it actually rewards failure. In that, if you try something and it doesn't quite work or the results aren't what you expected, you can then pivot, change, focus on something else, and then see how it works. What effect does that have? Whereas, com- if you compare that to the old model where you, in a way, put all your eggs in one basket and then launch a website and you don't know how it's going to perform, and if it doesn't perform to the level that you were hoping or expected, then it's a bit of a okay what do we do now kind of situation. <laughs> and, and there, are, if we come back to the story you you, you uh, talked about at the start, there are some similarities here uh, regarding Sir Edmund Hillary and, and the changes he made during their climb, which are in fact a bit similar to the GDD way of thinking. Yeah, so what Edmund had to do uh, was,
0: again, very much what we have to do is, is, he originally set out with this very structured plan. Here's all the camps. Here's what we need to do to avoid things. And the reality is, is that this, when a storm comes in, storm like they were not expected, the storm that claimed the lives of the people that made that journey, um, if he would've continued going through that, they would've probably perished like everyone else who, who did that. And Sir Edmund was in, it was smart. He said, look, we don't have to follow this carefully mapped out plan. Um, I can take in, I guess, data, quote unquote, data, like things like the visibility, things like what's my team's morale, how much energy do they have, how much, how is our footing, what obstacles can I see in our way, and what he did was he made a moment by moment decision on, 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 based off of all of that, on how they need to change, what path they need to adjust to, and they were able to continue moving up that mountain and weather the storm, and that's really what one of the things that made them so successful. And eventually getting to the top of the Mount Everest. Um, So we need to take that same mentality in our website and our marketing and everything we're doing where we could sit here and build out this 12-month plan and have everything all set up. But the reality is, is that um, your users are going to change. Your focuses are going to change. You're going to learn about your users. And instead um, instead of having that structured plan or building something and then not touching it, we need to adopt a system that incorporates all of that and allows us to adjust and keep moving up this quote unquote mountain towards the top.
1: Yeah. And where are some of the best places to find out more information, uh, more resources and, and to actually learn more about growth driven design? Uh, well, the easiest place is growthdrivendesign.com.
0: So yep. on growthdrivendesign.com we have two courses. One is for marketers who work at a company. Um, it's, it's eight courses or eight lessons. Uh, Eight hours long, and there's a ton of tools, templates, examples of things that you can use uh, for that. We also have an agency certification. Uh, So the agency certification is an extended version of that that has an additional, uh, I think, five or six classes talking specifically about how agencies can do this with clients. It's a lot of content. Uh, There's a lot of tools and things like that, but really my goal was to provide these... When you get done with these courses, you have everything you need to be able to implement... A system like this.
1: As well as a nice certification, a nice c- badge to put <laughs> certification on the is profile. always profile.
0: Nice. So I would recommend that. Uh, the other thing that I would recommend uh, is, uh, and I'm gonna give them a little shout out, is uh, uh, a lot of the ideas uh, come from just the growth world, uh, like the, the growth team worlds, and uh, reapplying those principles to, in this case, specifically to the website. Uh, we had a, a phenomenal guy, Brian Belfour, who was our VP of growth, uh, help grow the, the sidekick. And now we call it HubSpot free uh, from, or no, it's uh, HubSpot sales from zero to a uh, hundred million uh, users uh, and, or hundred thousand users, excuse me. And he has a sense left to start doing consulting uh, with SaaS companies, but more on the product and business model side. And so he has a, a company called Reforge. And uh, you can search for Brian Bell for Reforge or he's got a website, CoElevate. So I wanna give him a shout out on, um, he's got some trainings and some tools. He has a a camp that he does every quarter uh, that is kind of in depth but more on the product and business model side of startups. So I'd give him a shout out because him and a lot of things he's put together um, have been a good inspiration for the things we're applying on the marketing and acquisition and website side of things.
1: Great. And if we move on to our final two questions now, uh, and these are two questions we actually ask all our guests who join us on the Growth Hub podcast. And that's firstly, if you could only pick five tools Mm. to help you with your GDD work, uh, what would they actually be? Well,
0: the way I'll give you first how I look at tools, and then I'll give you the ones I would use uh, if I was, uh, as I'm doing, and we're doing it right now. Uh, First, I look at what is the goal we're trying to accomplish then i and this is before you even look at tools what's the goal that we're trying to accomplish then what are the the features or functionality or solution elements that we need to accomplish those goals then we go to the far side where we actually look at the tools and we find the best match so which what tools have all of the things we need well one of the things of course is we need to understand user behavior we need to understand how they're interacting what are they interacting what are they getting confused on So uh, there's a lot of tools out there that do that type of thing, uh, from Crazy Egg to Lucky Orange to Hotjar. The one that I found um, the most success with is uh, Hotjar. It's the one that I recommend allows you to do, uh, really get a detailed understanding of how users are behaving with your website. Uh, Lucky Orange is good too. Uh, And I give them both shout outs because they both also are studying integrations with uh, HubSpot, where if you're also using HubSpot, a lot of that behavioral data will get pulled into your contacts within HubSpot. So then you can do a lot of really interesting things with marketing automation and personalization and uh, extending uh, actionable uh, activities based off of what you're seeing. So uh, some kind of behavior tool, again, I'd check out Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R, or Lucky Orange. The other tool is uh, usertesting.com. So user testing is a way for you to not only gain insights on the current website, but also test prototypes or test uh, variations before you put it out there into the wild. And uh, usertesting.com has been a, a very, it's a service and a tool, very good um, tool to use. I, I'm obviously biased or towards HubSpot, but you need some kind of database to collect all this user information, store it somewhere. Um, be able to take action on that. So once you've learned about users, how do you actually build things? And and so HubSpot as a platform for your website, for a platform for your marketing automation, uh, for your CRM and your sales team to use uh, is, is a great way. There's other options out there, but I'm obviously biased towards HubSpot. Uh, and then, so that's what, that's three. I would also, uh, another one that uh, I would use, the probably the best thing, and it, and, it sounds so simple, but it's just talking to users. So getting a, uh, a package of tools that allows you to easily create user interviews. So that would be like a Zoom. We use Zoom as a, as, as a great like just conference tool. It could be WebEx and then a booking system. So at HubSpot, we have a meetings tool that allows you to just send them your, your calendar that people can book right in. Uh, there's another one, book me is another one and really creating a system where you can continuously poke new users put them to your calendar, have them book in time and just kind of have this automated system where you can continuously every single week have two, three, four, five or more conversations. So those are like tools that enable you to do that. And the last one is if you have the website, if you have enough traffic and it makes sense, uh, you know, you need to be doing some kind of testing. So it's like, once you know the user behavior, once you've built that new thing in HubSpot, Uh, Now, how do we test and validate whether or not our experiment was true? And that could be split testing, A-B testing, multivariate testing, and HubSpot has tools built in on the enterprise level and the pro level to do that. You could also use Optimizely, it's another great tool. Um, They're moving towards more enterprise, it's a little more expensive for you smaller folks. Um, Or uh, the other way you could do it is if, if you aren't getting enough traffic, just doing cohort reporting, or doing a funnel analysis. So tools like HubSpot has a lot of that built in. Kissmetrics has some of that built in. Uh, those tools will allow you to report that. So There's a whole bunch of different tools. Yeah, but, well, that's uh, great. But that's kind of the area and the way I think about it is, is start with the goals, start with the process, the things you need, and then match the best tools to that. And those yeah. are some to check out.
1: And then finally, uh, what would be your one golden piece of actionable advice that you would share with other B2B SaaS growth leaders? especially when it comes to their website and GDD. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Uh,
0: It just comes down to focus. Uh, There's, again, so many different things to do and knowing what metric are we gonna be laser focused on improving for this period, whether that period is a sprint, whether that period is a quarter, Mm. um, and just really putting all your wood behind one arrow to focus on one metric improve that one metric and then evaluate okay once you've improved it should you should you change knowing what metric that is 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 tricky and that's where working with an experienced agency working with experienced advisors or mentors that can basically walk you through uh at this given point of where your sas business is here's the the two or three metrics you really need to look into um i think focus 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 again all of you should just print out and put in big letters simplify do less better and just every day kind of ask yourself are you doing a good job of that
1: yeah simplify do less better i'm definitely gonna start following <laughs> that hey luke thank you so much for joining us here in helsinki at the growth hub it's been absolutely fantastic to have you with us on the show today
0: yeah it's been great chatting and uh and super cool working with the team i love uh, i love working with the team here and meeting people and uh, hopefully helping people in their journey learning some of this stuff And I'm learning as well, which is great. (laughs) Great stuff.
1: All right. Thanks. Thank you. That was Luke Summerfield, founder of GDD at HubSpot. Be sure to check out growthdrivendesign.com to learn more about GDD and to get GDD certified. You can also follow Luke on Twitter at SavvyLuke. And thanks again for listening to the Growth Hub podcast. And make sure you check out the Growth Hub at advancedb2b.com/slash/the-growth-hub for more content and resources on everything B two B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories, and always remember, it's the risk takers that are. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their different-